We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 this morning. You can start making your way there now as we continue our series on the songs of Christmas this morning. And as you're turning, uh, I do want to say just a special welcome to those of you who are visiting us today, just checking things out. What a, what a morning to come. Um, thank you so much for being here, whether you're in person or you're joining us online. I believe that the Lord has some great things to share with us from His Word today. Uh, I also want you to know, James mentioned this coming Saturday, Christmas Eve, we have uh, an incredible service that we hope you'll join us for. We're going to have two service times here at 3 o'clock and 5 o'clock. If those times don't work for you and your family, for your friends to come with you, I hope you'll run down the street, you'll go to the central campus, and there are three service times there at 2 o'clock, 4 o'clock, and 6 o'clock. If you haven't been to a Christmas Eve service with us before, uh, I want you to know it's, it's a fun time, it's a shorter time, uh, but it's a very significant time as we sing Christmas carols, worship songs to our Lord. We hear about the birth of Jesus, the hope for the world, and we always close out with a, a special time of, of lighting our candles uh, and praising our God together. So I hope to see you on Saturday. As we begin this morning in Luke 2, we have a special guest scripture reader. Uh, would you turn your attention to the screen? Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. I love that movie. And Linus is right. That's what Christmas is all about. When the Lord appeared to the shepherds, something amazing happens. There was a great light that shone around them, and they became terrified. You have to keep in mind, these are shepherds who had likely chased off or killed fierce animals trying to come in uh, and, and take their flock. They had had long, dark nights alone. They had faced severe storms. These were young men, but they were brave, strong men. So what was it about that light that frightened them so much? Well, the scripture tells us. It was the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord, it shone all around them. Luke 2, verse 9, it says, The angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Throughout this chapter, uh, we get some insights about the glory of the Lord. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. And the first thing that we see is that God's glory is his presence. 
God's glory is his presence. God's people, they had been longing for his presence to return to them for some time. Not only in the Messiah coming, in the promised Savior coming, uh, but also just for God's presence, for his glory to return to his people, to return to Israel. All the way back in Ezekiel chapter 10 and 11, uh, we read that God's glory had departed from the temple. It had departed uh, from Israel. But God's glory, people experiencing that, seeing that, this wasn't a new thing. It wasn't the first time that that had happened uh, when uh, the shepherds saw it. Throughout the Old Testament, we actually have many examples of people seeing and experiencing the glory of God. Do you remember when Moses went up Mount Sinai? In Exodus 24, 15, uh, it says, when Moses went up the mountain, the cloud covered it. The glory of the Lord, it settled on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, he called Moses from the cloud and the appearance of the Lord's glory to the Israelites was like a consuming fire on the mountaintop. There are examples like this throughout the Old Testament, uh, but one of the strangest and probably one of the most memorable and well-known is how the presence of the Lord, I believe the glory of the Lord, it led Israel through the desert. By day, the presence of the Lord, it led them in a cloud, a cloud that offered shade and direction. And then at night, the presence of the Lord, it led them as a pillar of fire offering warmth light, and direction. God's presence was with his people. He was leading his people. God's gift to the people of Israel was his presence. Exodus 13, 21 talks about it. It says, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to lead them on their way during the day and in a pillar of fire to give them light at night so that they could travel day or night. God's glory returned when it shone around the shepherds. It struck fear into their hearts. And they were on full alert as the angel shared the wonderful news. News that the Messiah, the promised Savior, had been born. News that the presence of God had come to dwell among men. John's gospel, it clearly connects Jesus with the glory of God, a fact that shows that they are the same and yet they are also somehow different, a conversation that we don't have time this morning to unpack. But here's what John says, uh, the word became flesh. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus, the word, he became flesh and he dwelt among us. We observed his glory. The glory is the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus, who is eternally present, he brought the glory of God to earth to dwell with people. The glory of God was present in the person of Jesus. That baby in the manger, the Messiah, the Lord, had come to dwell with people like you and me. God's glory revealed in Jesus is, is really the main differentiating factor between Christianity and most other religious worldviews. In fact, almost every religion in the world speaks very highly of the person of Jesus, at least mentioning him as a great teacher or a compassionate man. But what makes Jesus so significant is that he is the manifest presence of the glory of God to the people. He is God in the flesh walking among us. 
walking on this earth. And so every major question that you may have about Jesus, that you may have about Christianity, it is a secondary question to wrestling with the glory of God and the person of Jesus. The glory of God is his presence. But also, God's glory is peaceful. Let's look back at our passage. Look at verse 13. Luke 2, starting verse 13. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to people he favors. Peace is something that I believe all people want. We want peace from conflict and war. We want personal peace. We want that contentment. We want rest. And what I find most interesting is at the time that uh, we're reading about here in Luke 2, there was peace happening in the land. The Roman Empire, they had instituted Pax Romana, which some of you his, history people, you would know that it was a period of relative peace and stability that lasted uh, a little over 200 years. But even in the midst of, of this peace that the Roman Empire had instituted, there, there was a philosopher that shed great light on this. And here's what he quoted. He says, While the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, from grief, and from envy. He cannot give peace of heart, which a man yearns for more than any outward the emperor at this time was Augustus Caesar. He's the one that instituted Pax Romana. He was a prevailing authority at the time, and many of him, or many, many people, looked at him as a god. In fact, there's an archaeological find in 9 BC called the Preene Calendar Inscription that shows us a beautiful contrast between the Roman Empire and the kingdom of God. I think we've got a picture of it for you here. This is what was found. Uh, what's really interesting about this inscription is what it has to say about Caesar Augustus, the man that they made into a deity to preserve order throughout the land. The end of the inscription, here's what it reads. It says, Caesar, by his appearance, excelled even our anticipations, surpassing all previous benefactors and not even leaving uh, to posterity any hope of surpassing what he has done. And since the birthday of the god Augustus was the beginning of the good tidings for the world that came by reason of him, which Asia resolved in Smyrna. They believe that good tidings for all people began with Caesar. The angel has a little bit of a different message. He paints a different picture. Look back at Luke 2, verse 10. The angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Maybe you know the Linus versions. Good tidings of great joy. That good news, that good tiding is that today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. You see, this declaration from the angel, it would have been familiar to the shepherds. But as God often does, he gives a message that redefines peace. 
The angels in verse 10, uh, they say they're bringing good tidings of great joy. Uh, words almost taken off the pre inscription. The angel tells the shepherds, you don't need to look to Rome for your peace. Because your Savior is here to bring peace to you. Verse 13, suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people he favors. You see, God's glory, it brings true, lasting peace. And this is one of those times in scripture that we need to understand a specific word that is used. The literal meaning here of the word host sheds a different kind of light on this passage. Uh, It has a very specific meaning. It actually means army or band of soldiers. So in other words, as this angel uh, comes, the light is shown, the angel says, hey, this is what's going on. And then an army of angels shows up and says, and by the way, he's bringing peace. Being face-to-face with an army is an eerie feeling. And I've not even experienced that from a combat perspective, so I can't, I can't even begin to imagine what that would be like. But on my first trip to China in 2011, uh, the, the team that I was leading, we decided it was a good idea to stay at a hotel that was also host to China's version of the JROTC for the Communist Army. We didn't know exactly what that meant. And honestly, the first several days, maybe the first week we were there, uh, it was all pretty normal. It was a normal hotel. We just saw a bunch of young men hanging out, doing what young men do. And then one day we turned the corner to come to our hotel, and there are hundreds and hundreds of men dressed in full military arm, guns, helmets, body armor, marching, screaming, yelling. They are practicing and they are preparing. And fear doesn't begin to tell you what gripped my chest and what I saw manifest in the faces of the 18-year-olds that I was with. It was a scary moment and we were in absolutely no danger at all. We were face to face with an army. And if you break down what this army, this host declares, it literally means this. Say glory to God, splendor, majesty, worship, and praise. They are due to God who is in the greatest place, the highest place, the highest place that you can ever get to in your mind. Glory to God in that place. And on this earth, on the ground, on the lowest place that you can think of by comparison to that of the heavenlies. Peace has come. A way of salvation has come for anyone who has received the favor of God, which means anyone who has received the salvation that he offers. The angel's song here reminds us that Jesus' birth, the glory of God coming here, it brings us peace. And friends, we know that true peace It only comes through Jesus. Rome could never meet the need of the heart. The peace 
that so many desperately desire. Even the religion of Israel fell short of offering the peace that the people needed. Jesus coming to this earth, he offers a peace that we can have confidence in our our God regardless of our circumstance. God's glory brings peace. And the last insight that we see in this passage this morning is that the glory of God is pervasive. The glory of God is pervasive. Look back with me at verse 8. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. You want to talk about an odd birth announcement? Like, those of you who are parents, when you have your first child, when the moment that that child shows up, you don't, like, run over to Kroger and tell a cashier, right? It's it's not a, a, a random process. The person that you tell about your first child being born is important. It matters. It's your parents, it's your grandparents. You know, for, for some of you who weren't brave enough to be in the delivery room, maybe it was you, dads. Somebody come in t- and, and they told you first, right? These shepherds, they weren't the closest people to Jesus. They just happen to be in the same region. They're on some obscure hill, minding their business, doing their jobs, and an angel shows up. They weren't the closest, but they also weren't the most obvious choice. Shepherds, they weren't really respected in this culture. And while they did work hard, they were performing one of the lowest duties that you can have. They were constantly dirty and smelly, Like if you've ever spent any time in a middle school locker room, think about that aroma. Like place that aroma on the person of the shepherd and anywhere they go, that's the smell that goes with them, right? The lowest of the low, they were the bottom of the social ladder, the bottom of the familial ladder. Just remember young David, the youngest of seven brothers. And as his brothers were with Saul's army, where is David? He's back home out in the field tending to his father's flock, 1 Samuel 17. Shepherds like David, they were given the menial jobs. They were left out, and for all intents and purposes, they were forgotten by the family and by society. So why would God choose to give the announcement of Jesus' birth to mere shepherds? I believe it's because the glory of God is pervasive, that the glory of God is for every single person, regardless of your background, regardless of your culture, regardless of your socioeconomic makeup, Jesus coming here was for you. Any person who thinks that they are outside of the grace and the love and the mercy and the forgiveness of God is the perfect candidate to experience the glory of God. Because Jesus came for everyone. Remember the popular verse, John 3, 16. It says, For God loved the world in this way, He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but will have eternal life. And I love verse 17 almost as much as I love verse 16. He says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world, all of the world, 
through him. Jesus was sent to save the world. If God wanted to make a splashy announcement, if he wanted his announcement about Jesus to go viral on Twitter or TikTok, he would have gone to Rome. He would have gone to the political power center of the world and he would have made his announcement there. Maybe a second option would have been Athens. He would have gone where philosophy and intellect ruled and he could get it written down into all the books and it would have been distributed amongst them. An even better option than shepherds would have been to go to Jerusalem, the religious center of the world where they would have seen it and heard it, and many wouldn't have believed, but they would have known, and it would have been a huge deal right there in that moment. But that's not what God wanted to communicate with the announcement of His Son. So He went to the lowly, to the humble, to the forgotten, to the stinky and smelly shepherd to declare the greatest gift that the world has ever known. You see, by visiting the shepherds, the angel revealed that the grace of God was for all people, for all mankind. God displayed his heart for people, beginning with the lowly, and in doing so, he turned the world upside down. You know, I believe that there are probably some here this morning that feel dirty and stinky in the sight of the Lord. And I've talked with enough people to know that there are many who believe that Jesus came to save many people, but not them. You've bought into the lie that that Jesus couldn't like somebody like you. That when he came to this world, he came for those who are pure, those who are righteous, those men and women, those kids who, who really have it all together. And friend, if that's you this morning, if maybe this morning you identify more uh, with the condition of the shepherds, I want you to know that you are great in the eyes of Jesus. And not the you that you want to be, the you that you are right now. The overarching message in this passage that we've looked at today is that Jesus didn't wait for any of us to come to him, to clean ourselves up and to figure out how can we get to God? How can we be good enough to come to God? That's not the message. The message is that he came to us. Even knowing the wickedness of our hearts, the the baggage that we bring with us, the filth and the stench of, of the reality of my heart, he still came for me. And he did the same thing for you. And the great news is he continues today to pursue people, to love people, to pour his grace on them, to love the unlovable, to restore the broken, and to fulfill his mission just as much today as he did in eternity past, as he did in the day that he was born. Because he wants to give us his presence. He wants to bring us peace. And not just us.
but he wants that for the whole world. And to that end, Paul writes in Romans 5.1 as we close, uh, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have been set right by our faith, by looking to Jesus and, and trusting and believing and understanding what he has done for us, we put our faith in who he is. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So maybe today there is someone who has felt too far away, too dirty, too smelly for the Lord. I want you to know today unequivocally that Jesus loves you. He came here to save you, to pour his extravagant love on you, to give you grace, to give you mercy, to give you healing, to give you restoration, because he loves you that much. And so in just a moment, as we sing a song of response, it would be a privilege for any of our team to take a moment to talk with you, to pray with you, to answer a question that you may have about something that you've heard today. But regardless of how you walked in this morning, there is no better way for us to close our time than to turn our attention, our focus, and our worship to God. Our King, our Jesus, our Savior, who from the glory of heaven came to this earth to pursue messed up people like you and like me. If there's anything our team can do for you, it'd be a privilege to talk with you as we respond. Would you pray with me? Father God, you are so good to us. Lord, to say thank you does not begin to show you the picture of our heart, of gratitude that we have uh, for coming, for loving for bringing hope and joy and peace that we would otherwise be searching for forever. But God, sometimes that's all we have. So thank you. Father, I pray that, that in this place, God, you would uh, just speak truth and hope. And God, that your glory would be made known to a man, to a woman, to a child who has not experienced you in that way today. Father, that as we, in this next week, we celebrate your birth, we would also have the privilege of celebrating new life of the person who experienced your glory, experienced your grace for the first time today. Father, would you have your way in our hearts? It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.